Good morning. Friday nights, uh, my wife and I had dinner with some friends, and it was fun. Well, the dinner was good. I mean, that's always a bonus. When you have dinner with people and the food's not good, then you have to awkwardly look at them, and you're like, that was creative use of orange marmalade there. I, I, I didn't expect it to be both in the chicken and, you know, the Brussels sprouts mixed in there too. It's it a nice touch. So it's good. I mean, that helps. It was a good dinner. Uh, but it was just, it was a lot of fun. Like my wife and I were driving home. We're just like, that was so much fun. We just really enjoyed that time. And that is particularly meaningful for us because we've lived in Indiana for a year now. And so we had to leave our family, leave the, our friends, leave the people we knew and kind of start a new life. And as we're, we're driving home and as we were at home uh, later that night, I just was thinking to myself, man, I just, I needed that. I can't remember the last time I laughed that much over random things like lumpy seats or uh, random uh, coffee tables that sort of look like an upside down laundry basket. Like the random stuff we laughed about. It was fun. You ever said those kind of things to yourself? Man, I didn't realize how much I needed that. You ever say after you spent time with people, man, I, was, I can't remember the last time I enjoyed something like that. You ever said anything like that to yourself? Just me, the rest of you live full, meaningful lives with no emptiness at all? Okay, that's cool. No, that's cool. You had a chance to connect, but it's going to be like that. I see, I see how it is. You know, I think that resonates with us. And the reason is we want to experience those kind of connections. We want to experience community. We want to know people and be known. We want that. We don't always want to do it. We don't always want to take those steps, but we want that. And part of the reason, a large part of the reason, is we were created to know that kind of community. As we continue our series, uh, Welcome to God, we're going to answer the question today, how do I pursue Jesus with others? And the, the answer to that is community. So we can go and, you know, the, the, we don't need the, the other 25 minutes, you know, we're done. Like, that's it. That's the answer, community. You like a little more? Fair? Okay, that's fair. You're lucky because I prepared for that. So how do we do that kind of community? If community is how we pursue Jesus with others, like what does that look like? How do we do it? Why do we need it? Well, we're going to dive into that because Jesus' idea of community, community is radically countercultural. It's different than the way we think about it, the way we approach it. Community is important because figuring out how to live together with others, it matters deeply because that's how we grow. That's how we mature. That's how we become more like Jesus. And in doing that, things just work the way they were created to work. They just work the way they're supposed to. One writer says that insight is developed in community. We can't fully see all parts of ourselves. We can't see ourselves objectively. And so community helps us see a fuller picture of ourselves. What Jesus wants for community for us is different than where we would naturally lean to because our idea of community is like, yeah, I just, I want to be supported. And, you know, when we're willing to acknowledge we need it, it's like, what can it do for me? And there's a sense that it should just be easy, but it's not because people aren't easy. Community is going to take work. And that can be intimidating because we don't want to be uncomfortable. You know, we, our life is scheduled and maybe we don't want to find room for those sorts of things or we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to take those steps. And, and for men, that's particularly hard because there's a sense of weakness if I share or if I reach out and we want to look strong and like we can support our 
families and support ourselves and like we have it all together, even though we know that that's not true. I think we want at a deep level to know others and be known. We may not say that, we may not articulate that, we certainly, I'm not gonna tell others that, but in our soul is a desire to know and be known. That's scary, though, if we're honest, because there's parts of ourselves we don't want people to know. It can make us insecure. What if I let people in? What will they think of me if they find out? But I think that's at the root of who we are. Community takes work, but it's work that's worth doing. It's work that is worth doing. It helps us fill those holes in our, in our soul that we, we can't fill any other way. It scratches an itch that won't be scratched any other way. We want to belong and we want to be known. I, if you ever seen the movie Castaway? <laughs> Strong feelings about it. That's fair. That's fair. It does. It ends. I'm not going to give it away, but when you get to the end, you're like, oh, seriously, you're giving this guy nothing. But you, you understand, we get a picture of the longing we have for community because he's by himself, and what's one of the first things he does? He makes a friend out of a volleyball. He, need, he wants to be known, and it's not just a one-way thing. He, he, this volleyball becomes a friend. We want to be known that way. The problem we have is that the way that culture is moving and the way that, that technology is advancing, those things can isolate us. The irony is we are more connected now than ever before at any point in human history, and yet we are more disconnected from each other. That things like social media and cell phones and FaceTime and this instant access to people allows us to, to lull ourselves into a false sense of connectedness when oftentimes all that does is isolate. We trade the truth that, that about God for a lie, for something less. And when we finally get to the point where we're willing to, to acknowledge, all right, community, that might not be a bad thing, we get into community to get, not to give. But God has a different idea. So much of the New Testament is written about how people interact with each other. So much of it's written about how uh, we are called as followers of Jesus to experience unity and how we are supposed to, to care for each other. So much of it is written. In fact, there's these, these one another statements that are made all throughout the New Testament. There's 59 of them, 59 one another statements. And that points to the importance of the way we interact with each other. In fact, Andy Stanley says it like this. He says, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. That's a big part of it. And we're going to look at, at three of those ideas today. Three one another's that, that we do to live out this kind of community that God wants us to experience. And the first is this, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 talks about it like this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. What I find fascinating is even, even way back when Paul was writing this, there's people who are disengaged from, from community, disengaged from the church, disengaged from, from fellowship, that there's like, yeah, I'm gonna go and just kind of dip my toe in and whether they do it because they think, well, I, I went once and now I'm fine or they do it because they don't wanna be controlled by it, they begin to disengage. And so Paul's recipe for counteracting that is encourage one another. Encourage one another. And it's this 
The way it's written, it's this ongoing thing. It's not do it once, it's continually encourage. Look to build up, look to, to speak truth into each other's lives. It's this idea that life is going to be hard. We just know it will. That's just true. And so what do we do? Come alongside each other. Support and lift up. Encouraging is, encouragement is just as simple as catching people doing right things. And Paul understood the importance of that. That we will need people in our lives to do that for us because we can just get worn down by what goes on. Think about it culturally. We are far quicker to pile on someone when they fail than we are to celebrate when they succeed. We are far quicker to rejoice in someone being pulled apart than we are to step in and walk with them when it's difficult. But if that was us, what would we want? Calls us to encourage one another. That's a powerful picture. And we can do that for a very simple reason. Because we know the hope that we look forward to is greater than anything we, we experience now. John 14, 27 says it like this. Jesus is talking. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Be encouraged. Why? Because you know the hope that you have is infinitely and exponentially greater than anything you can experience. And so if you forget that or you lose sight of that, remind each other of that. We all have those moments. We all have those moments where we need somebody to remind us of what's true. I went camping a couple months ago with a group of guys. They invited me to go and it was really fun. And I, you've heard me say before, I'm not like, I'm, I don't camp. If I'm camping regularly, then we live in a post-apocalyptic future and something terrible has happened because I, I, just, I just don't camp. But I like these guys and I was excited to go and I was honored that they'd invite me and so we went. And uh, we stayed in this hunting cabin and it, it, it was, I, like again, I don't know what I'm doing and I walk in and it's like, I think I see blood on the floor and it's like, oh my gosh, an animal probably died right there. And I don't have all these supplies and I just had this like normal sleeping bag. Like I don't have like a negative 20 degree sleeping bag. I haven't climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. I don't know what I'm gonna need that for. So I show up with my stuff and it is freezing cold. I mean, it is freezing cold. Uh, one of my friends the next morning said, man, it was really, I noticed you got up a couple times to stoke the fire. Like that was really cool of you. I was like, yeah, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I wasn't being nice. I wanted to make it home. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. We ate these gourmet sausages, which were just they're delicious, and we talked. But one of my favorite parts is there was a moment where we just talked for a couple hours about life. It was a group of men talking about what we struggle with, what it's like to be husbands and fathers and the pressures we face. And it was a powerful time. And you know what's crazy? And in sharing what we wrestle with, it was unbelievably encouraging. Because we realize we're not alone. And it's not just, hey, let's all commiserate together, but rather there's hope to say, we're not alone and let's together as men pursue something better, pursue something more significant. It's, it's the kind of thing that we don't want to share that stuff with people. But when we were finally willing to do that, and frankly, it's because someone went first, we all found that to be a powerful experience. It was unbelievably encouraging. I left encouraged. 
That's what happens when we're willing to do that, when we're willing to step into truth with each other, when we're willing to say, hey, listen, I wanna love you and walk with you, I wanna support you, I wanna encourage you actively, purposefully, not just I happen to say something you found encouraging, so gold star for me, but I'm, I'm actively trying to do that. One of the ways you can do that, one of the ways you can, you can take that step is learn the way the people in your life receive encouragement. Everybody's different. Speak their language. That in and of itself will be encouraging. I'm a words, this will come as a shock. I'm a words person. Like, I like words. I know, like, whoa, no idea. I'm always, that guy is always so quiet all the time. But I like words of affirmation. Like, I like encouraging people. But I have a friend who, who receives written words of encouragement. And my default is to say things because I like saying things. But I need to realize it doesn't land with him the same way. How can I speak his language and communicate to him the way that he needs to be communi communicated to? Just like I'd want someone to do for me. Learn the people in your life and the way they receive those things. Look to build them up. Look to catch them doing right things. I guarantee you, you start doing this, people will, you will freak people out. People will be like, wait, what, why, what, why? What do you, why are you saying that? What do you, what do you, what do you want from me? Because we, that's how you know we don't do this naturally. But the way that we pursue communities, we look to encourage one another. We look to take that step. Not engaging in community to be encouraged, but rather engaging in community to encourage others. And what's fascinating is when we encourage others, we will find ourselves encouraged. It's almost like God knows what he's doing with this. Fascinating. Fascinating. Second thing, second one another to have this kind of real community is serve one another. Serve one another. Galatians 5.13 says this, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The Bible talks about this all the time. Serve one another, put others' needs before your own, bear another's, one another's burdens. It's a big idea. And a reason it's talked about a lot is this is not our default step. Like, we want to start with encouragement, but let's move from words to actions. Let's take another step deeper and serve one another. And that starts with saying, how do I identify someone else's needs? How can I look to care for them? Rather than just say, meet my needs, how can I meet someone else's? It's powerful when that happens. Think of a time when you've been served. It's humbling, isn't it? And there, this gratitude wells up. You appreciate, and frankly, that person now has a greater platform into your life because you trust them or they're living this stuff out. Serve one another. Not just when things happen to fall into your lap, but yes, by all means, definitely do those. How do we actively look for those opportunities, though? Actively pursue them, actively engage in them. Serve one another. We don't really have, as followers of Jesus, any excuse to not do that because Matthew 20, 28 tells us, Jesus is talking here, he says, for even the Son of Man, which is a name for Jesus, the way that he referred to himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as ransom for many. Jesus saying, I came to serve and not be served. I, the Son of God, stepped out of heaven and came to earth to serve and not be served. How could we possibly do any less? 
Jesus has modeled that for us, but he's also made it possible, enabling us to give of ourselves without expecting anything in return because he's done that very thing for us. Imagine how different your marriage would look like if you looked to serve one another first, right? We love these one another's, but we love them when it comes to what we get out of it. When it comes to what we give to, to someone else, that's harder. Imagine what your marriage would look like if you actively every day look to serve one another. Imagine. Imagine what your friendships, what your work relationships would look like. Imagine what your family, your, your neighborhood, imagine what it would look like in Columbus if we actively looked to serve one another. People wouldn't know what to do. You want to freak people out? Encourage them and serve them. Seriously, people start looking around like, am I, is, there, is this a hidden camera show? Is someone going to come out? We're living out what God has done on our behalf. Olivia was feeling uh, just heartbroken for her friends. Brady played uh, football for Harold High School in, uh, in Texas in the smallest class they have, Class A six-man football. And Brady was good. He was very good. Uh, he was distri- all district last year as an, a defensive lineman and as a fullback. Uh, and his father had died the previous November from cancer. And so she knew Brady was hurting. And the problem is that there's only 30 students in the high school and only eight boys. And so only five came out for football. They didn't have enough players. And and Olivia was just hurting for her friend because he didn't just want to play because it was his senior year and his last chance. But this was a way for him to honor his father because football was something that they loved and did together. Olivia is a really good volleyball player on a team that had a chance to make it to districts. She is not a large young woman. She's 5'4", 115 pounds. But she said, I need to do something. And so she joined the football team. Now, her, her, everybody's afraid because she's small. And her volleyball coach goes, if we lose her, now, we're not, now our team is affected. And the football coach is feeling suddenly very responsible like, oh my goodness, I, I hope this is okay. But she's talked it over with her mom and she's committed. She goes, I, I want to do this for Brady. I want to do this for him. I want to make this possible for him. She didn't get anything out of this and frankly put herself at risk, but she saw an opportunity to serve someone and she took it. You think Brady will ever forget that? You think the people that saw that will ever forget that? That's what it looks like when we're willing to serve, when we're willing to to move towards someone else and say, what needs do you have that I can meet? How can I move towards you? What can I do? Those are powerful pictures for us. Serve one another. The last thing is love one another. Love one another. This is talked about all over the place. But I love how it said in John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus is talking again. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. In the span of two sentences, he uses that Greek word for one another three times, communicating how important it is to love one another. Love one another. 
That takes it one step further still, right? We can encourage with words and we can serve with actions, but love, that speaks to the heart. That speaks to motivation. That speaks to why I'm doing it. That raises the bar of not just what's convenient, but what is required. What, what, what needs can I meet that I, now I don't want to meet? This is gonna cost me something called to love one another. We move from the external to the heart. What I love here is he doesn't say anything about like them. He says love them. Because liking, that's solely based on me and what, and what I think. But loving says, I'm going to do it regardless of who you are. Because that's the very way that we've been loved. Romans 5.8 tells us that, that very idea. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Love said, you've not, not only not done anything to deserve this, you have done everything to not deserve it. And yet, I'm going to move towards you out of love. God is saying, I'm going to send my son to bring rescue for you, not because of what you've done, but in spite of it, because I love you. Love says, I'm going to treat you the way that I'd want to be treated, whether or not you ever recognize that, whether or not you ever see that. Like Jerry talked about a couple weeks ago, love is the way that we're supposed to be identified as followers of Jesus. It's a high bar, but that's how we have been loved. It's kind of scary, isn't it? Like we can just sense in those words that it's like, man, I got to do something different. Like I can't keep, I can't add that idea into what I'm doing. If, frankly, if we're honest, like we don't like this part. Like it sounds really good on a bumper sticker, but if you're asking me to do it, it's like, well, I mean, you don't mean everyone all the time, right? Yeah. These are, these are the moments where it's like, could I possibly, can I, like how about everything but you give me one freebie? You know, we get like a, mulligan, a Bible mulligan. But this, frankly, is what underpins everything else. One pastor talked about it like this. He said, every experience proves that the real problem of our existence lies in the fact that we ought to love one another but do not. That's hard. Another right, it says like this, we are obliged to love one another. We are not strictly bound to like one another. Love governs the will. Liking is a matter of sense and sensibility. Nevertheless, if we really love others, it will not be too hard to like them also. Man, that's hard. We hadn't been in Columbus all that long when a family from the church came up to us and said, hey, we, we know what it's like to move and not be around family. And we would love to, to support you guys and walk with you and help, help care for you if, if you'd be okay with that. And we're like, seriously? Like, who, would, who does that? That's so kind. And this family has proven to be faithful. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll watch our kids. They'll, they'll take a 9.30 phone call and go, I can't lift this couch out of a box. Can you come help me? It's like, uh, funny question. What do you, you, you want to come over with some people in box cutters and your truck? And they're willing to do it. They're faithfully have looked to care for me and my family and my kids. I mean, it has been a powerful picture for us. They don't get anything out of it except inconvenience and messy floors after my kids leave. And yet they do it. And you know what's powerful? They do it cheerfully. They do it willingly. And it has, drawn, it has created this loyalty in us to them. 
We have watched them live it out, and it makes us go, how can we do that for you? I'd have a hard time thinking of anything that I wouldn't be willing to do for them because of the way they have loved us. That's why we're called to do it. We inspire each other when we move that way. It is this positive sort of effect, this domino effect that just moves along. It, it's contagious. And that's why God calls us to do that because he knows that when we love each other well, other people on the outside see that and go, I don't know what that is and I don't know why you're doing it, but I want to know more. I want to experience something like that. And folks, the powerful thing about about these examples, these one another's, is that God has done all of these to us first. We have first experienced this. God didn't wait for us to do anything first. He moved into community with us, initiating these things for us, enabling us to do them for others. It's so countercultural to what we would expect. The gospel says, I don't come to community to see what I can gain, but to see what I can give. We don't join community to encourage to be, I'm sorry, to be encouraged, but rather to encourage. We don't join community to be served, but rather to serve. We don't join community to love, to be loved, but rather to love. And the irony is when we do those things, we will find ourselves encouraged, served, and loved. And as we do that, we'll experience in deeper and richer ways how God does those very things for us. What does that kind of community look like in our lives? Right? What does it practically look like? What does it functionally look like? How does it really play out? I mean, that's a fair question. It sounds good, but what do I do with that? How do I know it's a real thing? How, how do I experience that? Well, imagine you're a bass player. Picture yourself that way. I mean, you're a good bass player. Not just any old bass player. You're very good. You play your parts. You live your life, and it's good. It's well executed. It's solid. There's nice lows, fills the room. You're doing a good job. It's enjoyable. Life is fine. But you're doing this all on your own. It feels like you're missing something, doesn't it? I mean, it feels like it could be a little bit better feels like it could be more than what it is. You don't really want to be alone. You want some people in your life. So let's give you some help. Let's, let's, get, you some, let's get you some guitar in there. That feels better, doesn't it? It feels a little fuller, a little deeper. That sounds good. Life's humming along, but there's still some holes, aren't there? There's still room. There's plenty of it. So you bring another person into your life. Let's get you some keyboard. We had another layer. Your sound is even bigger now. All right, life's pretty good, and you're pretty proud of it. Maybe even a little impressed with yourself. But you know in your soul that it could be more than it is, that there's more steps to take, that you're not done yet, that you're still missing something. So you let more people in. 
You open up your life in ways you couldn't imagine when you were just doing your solo act. People you didn't even realize you needed back when you started. And you know what? It sounds good. They make a huge difference. The end result is bigger and fuller and richer and more satisfying than we could ever imagine. That's the value of community. That's the value of that connection. We're able to do all of those one another's for each other, to experience that community because God has one another to us first. He's encouraged us so we can encourage others. He has served us so we can serve others. He has loved us so we can love others. Community is going to take work, but it's worth doing. It's not always going to be sunshine and lollipops. It's not always going to be easy. It's going to be messy because people are messy. It's not always going to be perfect right away. It's not always going to meet all the needs that you want, that you want it to meet. But it's worth it. Here at the Ridge, you can experience that kind of community. We want you to know that community. And it starts with this level, with church. Come and be a part of church. Be a part of the body of Christ. Be a part of this gathering. Come and be a part of it. Come and take steps of faith and engage and begin to build relationships and be known. But don't stay there. Move on to the next level. You can, you can play it safe and stay here at church. You can do that and come in every week and just kind of slide in and slide out. But what we want for you is to take a, another step, a step deeper, to be known at a more specific level. Join a small group. It's one of the ways that, that we experience community in, in a little more intimate way, a place where you can talk about life and live it with other people. If you're not yet in a small group, we would love for you to be. Honestly, we would do anything we could do to make that possible for you. We have a group connect coming up on Wednesday. We would love for you to be a part of it. It's a great chance to come and take that first step. There's more information in your bulletin, but take that first step and meet other people and find a place where you can belong. And the deepest level of all is an accountability community, a place where people know you and speak truth into your life, intentionally get time with you to intentionally ask you questions, to support you and walk with you. We all need those things. We all need those things. At each level, those one another's become more personal and more intimate. And listen, that's, that is absolutely scary, but it is also incredibly meaningful because it meets those, those needs that we have in our soul to know others and be known. What's your next step? Where are you in your journey? What does it look like for you to experience that kind of community?